Does your broker tell you they're managing your retirement money on a daily basis? Really? So when they're on vacation, how does that work? Do they have computers doing their job for them? Is that reliable money management? Is it time you learned how to have reliable retirement income, keeping your principal, and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the show this morning. We talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. We've spoken about this before. The uh, the emails that I have from you on the second hour of the show, you guys really have to pay attention because it's about all those things. It's about getting out of debt. It's about managing money. It's about understanding what if you're laid off, how do you continue to live? What if your children borrow money? How do you manage that in your estate? How do you make sure that you're, quote, fair to the other children? How do you make sure you honor whatever legacy, if you're the surviving spouse, if you're the widow, and you want to make sure that his children or her children are cared for from a different marriage? So we're going to get into that. Some great questions for you on the second hour of the show to to, uh, to update you here a little bit. My name is Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Let me give you the phone number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-997. 3847. And we're going to touch on a lot of things as, of course, this is voting season, election season. We get this every couple of years. Uh, next year, or, or sorry, the next election is going to be uh, quite crazy, as everybody says, the most important election ever. Uh, listen, I, I think on some level, there's always the most important election ever. Because it's it could be our last one, the way that sometimes these these folks on the progressive left, listen, their goal is to make sure you understand that you are you should feel guilty for not being a minority and that you are somehow responsible for actions that were done decades ago, centuries ago, maybe even at the beginning of time. So I, I just want you to be clear on this. This is an important part of our election season. And here's the reason why. The the Hispanic population, right? Mexican, uh, Central American, even South American folks, the Hispanic population of the United States has been shifting over the last few general elections away from the Democrat Party. Why? Because their children have gone to school. They finally realize who FICO is, right? Or FICA. Wait, wait, who's FICA? 
it's not cousin of FICO. What is that? Well, they realize it's taxes they have to pay. And they're going, wait, wait a second. I'm the one that worked. So they don't understand. You know, everybody wants to take something from somebody else. So this is the first time that generation is really starting to be successful on their own, make money. They bought into the idea that it was just about going to college, and they did. And they went, well, well, well wait a second. That's not how the rules are supposed to be. So I really think the, the reason the Democrats are bringing in all this illegal uh, immigration is simple. It's because the Hispanic population has already reached the middle class status. And traditionally now, over the last, let's say, 10 or 12 years, Hispanics in the middle class are now voting more Republican and conservative. They see this. They know this. So they have to bring in more poor people to manipulate them, to make them beholden to the government giving you free stuff. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not that difficult to understand. It's the reason they're doing it. And the reason they're putting them throughout the country, and especially in Republican states, you see that, as Joe Biden has been flying them around in in big jumbo jets in the middle of the night. Yeah, he's been doing this all over the country. Florida, he's doing this throughout Tennessee, Utah, Idaho. Any place there's a pretty solid Republican lead, they're dropping in these folks who are just pawns in the game, right? They bought into the idea. So you see that starting to happen. Now, why this matters to you in your financial life is I think they want something for nothing. They're going to try to get get it so that, listen, illegals want to vote. Let them vote. New York already has illegal aliens voting in local elections. Take a look at your home. How many of you have received a ballot? We just received some of our ballots in the house. Two people live in our home. We get five ballots. Explain to me Explain to me why that's the case. Why haven't they figured this part out yet? Now imagine that you're in an apartment building where the turnover of five, six people every couple of years, maybe you have 10 or 15 or 20 ballots that show up. Because you know that's what's happening, right? We had one particular apartment building that had 160 ballots for one of the units. The only reason the Democrats can continue to to win elections, I think, is if they if they cheat. Because otherwise you'd say, no, 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 I don't want to cheat. I want it to be as fair and honest as possible. So what do I do? I'm going to make it so everybody puts a thumbprint. Yeah, you have to put your right thumbprint. And if, uh, unfortunately, you don't have a right thumb, then we use your left thumb. And you check a box. You say, this is my left thumb. You don't have a left thumb, we use your index finger. I mean, you get the idea, right? There are very few people in the country that are unable to do that. But you sign your ballot. You have ID if you walk in. And in both cases, whether you send in a voter uh, ballot, an absentee, I want your, your right thumbprint on it. How If we can't read your right thumbprint, then you don't count your ballot. It's simple because you're trying to be sneaky, right? And some company can invent it. Fine, let it be a Democrat company. It always is. Well, you pull back this little tab and it's a one-shot deal. You put your thumb down and then you close the tab and that's part of your ballot and it mails it in. This way, if somebody cheated, if we get three thumbprints, we go, aha, we now know somebody cheated. And if you walk in, you just use your ID. Everybody has ID. Even illegal aliens have ID in California. So my point is, I think you're going to see this kind of stuff on the election because when you have services that are provided to an enormous amount of people whom are, who are not paying 
through their FICA taxes, through their income taxes. Oh, or if they use sales tax, sales tax and gas taxes already spoken for. The state does not use those dollars the way they're supposed to use them. So they've already sp- they're already spoken for. It's not like you can say, well, they still go to eat. Oh, really? Have you seen those little corner uh, uh, pop-up restaurants, if you will? I don't know what you might call them, right? Lunch carts. Raise your hand if you think they're paying income tax. But the nice restaurant across the street, the fast food restaurant on the other side of the street, you realize they have to pay income tax. They have to pay for all their employees, all their OSHA guidelines and and workers comp and, huh. But the folks across the street, the illegal aliens or the folks that are actually going there to eat, I'm I'm not saying it's, it's not good food. It might be great food. But do you really think they're following health guidelines? The same thing that you told us about were so valuable during COVID that the only way to keep this restaurant open is to have everybody wearing a mask, gloves, and this plastic shield. And then, wait, it's kind of important, but not really. Not when it comes to immigration. Now, you might still say, well, that still doesn't really matter to me. Folks, they're not putting into the system. Either you say that everybody has to put in or nobody has to put in. I'm all right with either way. And then you're responsible, right? The other side of the equation is responsible for the taxes. I think that's why people are leaving. That's why folks are being chased out of California. And listen, myself, my family, we're pretty angry about this. As many of you are, you've come to my office, you've spoken to me on the phone, you've sent emails. And what are you angry about? You say things like, listen, I was born and raised in Southern California. One person came in this last week, Eric, I'm six generations, California. And now my kids can't afford to stay here. And the ironic thing, both of them are educated. Both of them are are staunch, you know, left-wing Democrats. Liberals, not even liberal. Liberal isn't even Democrat anymore. You know that. If somebody's a traditional liberal, that means they want free speech and that they don't believe there's anything called hate speech that doesn't exist. You know that. Hate speech is not a thing. It's made up. Because if it's speech that you don't agree with, that's the only thing that's protected. Why would I want to protect Speech I agree with. So liberals care about speech that they don't agree with. Progressives, fascists, they don't. They want to silence you. So even when their kids are that far gone on the left, they still don't find it palatable to stay here. And they'll use things like, oh, it's expensive. They don't talk about that You know, for more than a decade. I think we're at just about 12 years now that every single office in the state of California that has wanted to be Democrat is Democrat. Listen, I don't think Democrats are evil people. I just think they're ignorant or, 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 I don't know, just uninformed maybe. Maybe that's the best way, right? My dad voted for them. I voted. I'm going to vote for them. They vote for me. My union says, I get it. But when 12 years have gone by and we've never changed a state uh, political position from an incumbent. Meaning if an incumbent wants to run, they win. Now this might be the time we change. Nathan Hockman has a good chance for state attorney general. I'm telling you, I think you need to vote for Nathan. You've heard him on the station. I like him. He's a good guy. I've spoken to him numerous times as our next attorney general. 
I don't know if he's if he's going to win. We're going to pray that he does. We're going to hope he does. He's the center of the road, kind of a probably our best shot of getting somebody. I don't know that believes criminals are criminals and good guys are good guys. Somebody who understands that criminals need to be locked up. Right? You pay for your crimes. I mean, that's what it is, right? So, progressive children, they're leaving the state. Now, that's the poison, right? That's why Texas is, has t-shirts and billboards that says, don't California, my city, my state. That's why sometimes they treat you a little rude when you have license plates in California license plates. That's why people will come to other cities renting a car and they'll put on the back, it's a rental because it has California license plates. Those rental cars can have many different states. And it has a California license plate. It says, hey, 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 no, 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 no. This is a rental. Right, my car's in the shop. This is a rental. Don't, don't throw a rock at me. Do you think it's because conservative policies are going to Nashville? Conservative policies are going to Utah and Idaho? Or do you think it's the liberal policies? I mean, I don't know what you're, you're thinking, but it's going to change the financial landscape. Because if they've messed up the tax system here, if they've been corrupt by giving Diane Feinstein's husband uh, countless, countless contracts, both federal and state government, it's part of the reason they became worth hundreds of millions of dollars, you understand. If, if Nancy Pelosi's husband can do insider trading and not get in trouble, and Martha uh, Stewart, right, can, can do one little thing wrong and go to jail. I mean, you, you realize that everybody knows it, and they just go, ah, turn off the TV, it doesn't matter, it'll go away. There's something else that they'll complain about tomorrow. So here, Nancy Pelosi's husband sells stock and makes millions. If you did it, you would go to jail. You see, it doesn't take too many of those things for people, the middle people, to go, whoa, this isn't a reasonable system. It's not a fair, it's not an honest system. And it undermines our country. It's exactly what China and to a lesser extent Russia, because they're fairly impotent. They're just basically gangsters. China's more calculated, right? China's been a country that's been around for 5,000 years. We've been around 200 years. China understands the long game. We are so divided that, that everybody is their political party or, or more importantly, you're your race. Listen, I can change political parties. I can't change my gender or my race. Right? I guess some of you want to change your gender. You can do multiple surgeries, but just putting on a dress doesn't change your gender, just so you know. And this is important to understand because don't punish me for something I can't control. Don't reward me for something I can't control. Now you should punish and reward me for something I can control. My character, my actions, my decisions, those things reward or punish. So important you realize that because I think those are some of the changes that are coming coming down the road. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I want to give you a couple other updates here as we go through. Uh, many of you have been talking about I-bonds. I understand that. Let me give you a, an update of what those are and a little bit of a strategy, almost, almost a, a hack, if you will, on how to get through them. 
Okay, what is an I-bond? I-bond is an interest rate bond. It does some a couple of things. What it does is it adds a yield, in other words, an interest, on uh, which is called inflation, on top of another fixed rate. So let's play pretend for a minute. They're going to always pay you 2% plus interest. Uh, sorry, plus uh, inflation. So if inflation runs at 6, they're going to give you 2 plus 6. So you'll earn 8. If inflation runs at 9% and they're going to give you 2, it's 9 plus 2, they'll give you 11%. So the I-bonds have a an interest rate associated to inflation. Okay, that's what the I stands for. When inflation is really low under the Trump administration and it was 2 and 3% or less, right, 2, 3%, well, it's, it's a, a 4% return. Not bad, but realistically, they're not really paying that much. They're paying about 1%. So when you had Trump at one plus a 2%, eh, not a lot of people were buying I-bonds. However, today, the rate for series I-bonds is substantial, but it's going to drop November 1st. Down from 9.62%, it's slated to drop to 6.47%. All right, that's important. That's a 30% drop. Huge. Who wants to take a 30% pay cut at work? Nobody. All right, so how do you buy them? Well, there is a limit. It's $10,000 per social security number, so you can do it for yourself and then your spouse. But you understand that's a tax ID number, meaning if you have an LLC, that LLC has a tax ID number, limited liability company, they can buy $10,000 worth of I-bonds. If you have a re, uh, an irrevocable trust that has its own tax ID number, an irrevocable, not a revocable, not a living trust, but an irrevocable. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. If you don't, we'll just set it aside for a second. So if you have an S corporation or a C corporation, those also have their own tax ID numbers. So in other words, you can buy $10,000 per social security number per tax ID number. Some people do it in the in the social security numbers of their children if they want to do more than 10,000. But you have to act before November 1st if you want to take advantage of this higher rate. Just know that that 9.62%, that's a pretty good number for sure, right? But it's maxed out at 10,000. All right. So, the other thing that I'm going to talk about I I think from now until the rest of uh, the hour, because this is a pretty important part. I'm getting emails and questions from you, and I've covered it once before on a, on a brief basis, but it's the ability for life insurance policies to have an internal savings component, right? It's called a cash value to have a savings account, if you will. And I want to give you the pros and cons, the good, the bad, because I think sometimes people are in one extreme or the other. It's always good or always bad. Never good, never bad. And I think you need to understand what the cash value component is. So let's talk about this on a life insurance policy. Term life is the easiest to explain. If you pass away, they pay. If you don't pass away, they keep your money. Just like car insurance. Did you crash your car last month? You didn't. They kept your premium. When you crash your car, they're going to give you a big payout called replacing your car. So term insurance has a job to do, and that's its job. The cash value insurance, the cash value component, 
has a job to do, but it's made up of two parts. It's made up of a life insurance policy. Think of it like a term policy, really. Meaning if you die, they pay. So for example, if you're putting in $100 a month into a term insurance policy for a million dollars, it's a million dollars for $100 a month. If you're putting in $100 into a cash value policy, maybe you're going to get $100,000 worth of life insurance. So they would take, let's say, $30 for that life insurance and $70 goes into a bucket, a savings account that earns an interest rate. The greater amount of life insurance you get, the higher the amount of fees and costs and the higher amount of commissions. The more life insurance you put in that, that you have, that's what pays the agent. The agent is receiving a, a, a payment directly proportionate to your death benefit, not your premium. All right, let me replace, uh, repeat that. When you pay into a life insurance policy that is a cash value policy, whatever the death benefit is, the greater the amount, the greater the amount of commissions, the less amount that goes into a savings account. The less amount of life insurance, the less the cost, the lesser the commissions, the more money that can go into your savings portion of the life insurance policy. Okay? Now, if you're just doing a straight death benefit, in other words, husband, wife, three little children, you're all in your 30s or 40s, you need to get a term life insurance policy almost from the go. A million, two million, three million, whatever the number is that's right for you. It's very inexpensive. And the term could be a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year term, right? It's a period of time where your coverage, you never want your coverage to decrease during that time, and you never want your cost to increase during that time. All right, that's term insurance. Now, on the cash value side, you might say, I have enough money for both. I want to get a term insurance that's pure life insurance. If I die, they pay. The difference, I want it to go into a cash value policy. Why would you do that versus mutual funds versus the stock market? Well, generally speaking, it's because the interest that you earn inside of that is tax-free, number one. That means as you're earning interest inside of, a, for example, an indexed universal life, you could earn interest based on market gains. So if the market goes up, you earn some interest. If it goes down, well, you stay the same. Now, there's still costs and fees inside of that to pay for the life insurance because that doesn't go away. You have life insurance. But as you grow inside of that savings account, you will not pay income tax. So you do the math. Is my tax bracket higher than the cost of insurance? So how do you resolve this? Well, there's a great solution to it, and I've got that for you after the break, because I really want you to understand a couple of parts to this. You get to decide how much life insurance you want inside of that plan. Again, if you say, Eric, I need a million dollars of life insurance, why would you even need it? Well, if you had small children, you had uh, tax problems, right, where you're going to be running into estate tax. And we're going to give you an update on that also after the break, because that's changed. If, for example, you say, uh, Arif, I want my spouse to have money because I am taking the highest pension payout possible. In other words, I'm going to take 4800 a month and she gets nothing when I die. 
okay, well, we better buy life insurance just in case. So you might spend three or $400 on a million dollars life insurance. So when you die, the pension payout for you, that goes away. Oh, and your spouse receives a million dollars tax-free. Remember, life insurance is tax-free. Wealthy people, people that write the rules, rich people, they leave real estate and life insurance to their children, their heirs, because that is a tax-free transfer. Poor people, they leave their retirement accounts. Why? Well, often it's the only thing they have. But secondarily, they think that's the right thing to do. Rich people leave their retirement accounts to a nonprofit or a charity. That, that's why there's names on lobbies. There's names on hospitals and uh, children's libraries and on and on. Because when people pass away, they have left their retirement account. Again, guess what? Tax-free. So you don't have to have millions and millions to do this. You might still say, I'm going to leave a life insurance policy to my kids. But is it term insurance or cash value? So you need to do a bit of an, an analysis. I'm going to show you how I do that when we come back after the break, because I think you need to have a little bit of a math problem here to be involved. Uh, I know it's going to sound a little bit, especially if you're driving. So I'm going to keep it simple and, and use round numbers so you can follow along. Of course, each person's different, right? Your, your age, your health, on and on, you're going to have to decide. But understand the cash value component has a great purpose. And that is to build your wealth tax deferred because you can take money out of it tax-free. You can put money back in. You can take money out and borrow it tax-free. You can put money in. And the interest rates that you earn inside of that are quite high. All right, when we come back, I'm going to get more uh, of this. Uh, how do you use the life insurance policy to benefit yourself? And what's happening with the 401k rules and the estate planning rules? Boy, they just released it just this Friday. We have that for you when we come back. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. This is AM870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. I'll be right back. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. We're talking about your family's finances. I'm Arif Halaby, the Total Financial Hour. All right, we're talking about a few things I think that are pretty important on this Sunday. Uh, and it's about understanding the proper use of life insurance. And I say that because the rules are changing. And as the Democrats now have control of Congress, I think they're going to try to rush a couple last-minute bills. And certainly as the president is their executive action. Uh, you've heard me say this. I don't know if I'm going to win this bet. I think a year from today, President Biden will not be in office. I know some of you might cheer and then you look you look to see who's going to replace them and you're like, uh-oh. I think that's going to be one of those black swan events. It's going to be a, a hiccup to the system, just like COVID, just like the invasion of, uh, to a much, much lesser extent, uh, the invasion of Russia to Ukraine. Uh, 
I think those things are going to be similar, not in, in life's loss or devastation, but similar in financial impact to the country as when we were coming out of the 2000-2001 recession. We were literally coming out of it. And then when 9-11 struck, it drove us deeper into it. That's why we had a three-year, first time ever, three years in a row of a negative market, 2001 and two. I think we would have only had two years had we not had uh, 9-11, right? That uncertainty, that, that uh, disruption of the status quo. So I think having some protection off to the side, whether it's because you're not sure of the banking system, because you don't know what's going to happen uh, if uh, the president changes hands. Remember, look, we've had times in the past where we have yet, where we did not have a vice president. You understand that? Right. So the Republicans may not vote in. Uh, let me back up. Here's the way it works. President Biden will step down. Kamala Harris will go in. If she's still the vice president at the time, she'll go in. Uh, and then she'll put forth another vice presidential candidate whom it will be. Nobody knows. But I will tell you this. The Republicans in Congress will control Congress, at least one branch for sure, probably both, and they will have to decide yes or no. And if they decide no, then there is no vice president. And we've had this happen, I don't know if it was six or eight times in the past, whether we did not have a vice president, we just had a president. And then on the next election, of course, the president you know, runs and the vice president runs as well, which would mean the next in line would be Kevin McCarthy if she were to, to pass away. Or to step down, right? So it might be a play for the Republicans to say, the Speaker of the House, the way we can get Kevin McCarthy as the Vice President, or maybe eventually you should say the, the President, he would go Speaker to President, almost like Gerald Ford did in the 70s. So I, I don't know. I always thought Kamala Harris was going to be the next Supreme Court Chief, uh, Chief uh, Supreme Court Justice. Right, Biden set it up, black female, black female, black female, woman of color, woman of color. So he was setting us up for that. I think they came to her, pure speculation, but interesting to entertain the idea. And they said, okay, we'd like you to, uh, ready? Are you ready? This is why we put you as vice president. And wait, what do you mean you don't want to go? Nope, I don't want to be the, the Supreme Court justice. I'm taking my chances that this guy's not going to finish his term. And then I get to be called president. I think that's what happened. And the Obamas are pretty upset about it because whomever they cho chose to be number two uh, and then eventually the president, when Biden steps down, is going to be, this is a problem. So I, I think that's the case. We'll see what happens. But uh, those kinds of black swan events, right, when something dramatic happens out of the blue, uh, out of left field, if you will, the green zeros on the roulette wheel. Right? You've all been to Vegas or, or wherever you might have gone. Spin the wheel. And the green uh, zero or double zeros, they pop up, but very rarely. But when they do, wipes out everything. Right? So the green zeros are the same concept. So what do I think is going to happen? I think you need to have something safe. That's why I like these life insurance policies for some of your money, if you can qualify for the life insurance. But here's the strategy. Here's the trick. Ready? You squish down the life insurance as much as legally possible. Now, if you're only working with a life insurance salesperson, meaning that's all they can do, they're not a strategist, they're not an estate planner, they don't understand you know, income, or they're just, their goal is just to sell, sell. 
then they're not going to like that idea simply because they want more commission off of a higher death benefit. My proposal is if you're doing this for the savings portion, then you bring down the death benefit, the life insurance coverage, as low as possible. Now, there's a legal number there. You can't go below a certain number. IRS says so. So you bring it down to that lower number. That's how you do it. And then you can fund it. And then the costs that are internal inside of the accounts are very low. Relatively speaking, you're going to probably always earn, well, you'll have a minimum. It's usually 1% or, or 2% guaranteed, even after costs, even after fees. All right, so it's a way to be your own bank. Put money in, take money out. Put money in, take money out. You get to do it. You decide. And you can you have a death benefit if you pass away. That amount goes to your beneficiaries tax-free. So it's kind of a nice kind of a backup plan, right? And remember, real estate, life insurance, and Roth IRAs, I didn't include that earlier, that goes to your beneficiaries because that's a tax-free transfer. Not your spouse, because your spouse and your retirement accounts are the same. Meaning when you pass away, they just can absorb them. It just becomes theirs. Just like it's a sideways move, right? As if they've had them their whole life. So you might say, well, Eric, if that's an insurance thing, I remember I heard buy term and invest the difference. Uh, cash value is wrong and bad. Listen, bad annuities are bad annuities. Good annuities are good annuities. Bad life insurance policies and good life. In There's different, just like bad stocks and bad mutual funds and good stocks and good mutual funds. So my point is, don't follow these people that are the extremists that say, my candidate is always good and yours is always bad. I didn't agree with President Trump on everything. Are you crazy? But I didn't want him to date my daughter or be my best friend. I just wanted him to fix my country. He could say silly things, but who else walked to the Korean demilitarized zone and stepped across that line? Who else brought Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states to peace with Israel? Who? Bush? Obama? That, that calmed the world down dramatically. We had 18 months where the Taliban were afraid to do anything because they knew to take President Trump seriously. Right? I mean, these things matter. When you calm the world down, but you, you rile up the press and, and the top 10 people at the FBI, when you piss them off, when you make them angry because you question their authority and you say, you no longer are the authority in the system, they say, oh yeah? And the war is on. Instead of privately him criticizing the media, I wish, uh, I'm sorry, publicly, I wish he would have done it privately. I wish he would have publicly done the same baloney that Obama did, which is, oh, everybody's great, everything's fine. And then behind the scenes, Obama was really ruining the system. But, but to the face of everybody, he was like, oh, best guy ever. Right? So you really couldn't put your finger on why you thought he was a bad guy to the economy or why he was a bad guy to the country or the nation or our standing and on and on, race relations, etc. Every once in a while, his little head popped up and he said, oh, Trayvon Martin would be my son. Well, hey, listen, did you not understand that Trayvon Martin was, what, uh, a foot, nearly a foot taller than, than, than George? Come on now. Did you not realize that he was buffer and stronger? My, my point is, President Trump could have done better. And 
Yet for all of the baloney they put him through, he still came out fixing the country and bringing peace to the Middle East in an area and in a way that was amazing. That's a big deal, you guys. North Korea, big deal, you guys. Drug, drug, could he do, could he have done more? Of course. It's not a dictator, right? You have to work with others. So just like that, you have your political views. You know there's some good on your side, some bad. I want you to also look at this. Your financial life needs to transcend all of that craziness. It needs to pass through the craziness of all of uh, whatever the, the economy is going to throw at you. And I think something crazy is coming down the road. I don't know if Putin is going to be crazy enough to use a nuclear weapon. He might. I'm hopeful his, journal, his generals will, will use a 39-cent bullet to solve that problem, but maybe not. Maybe those, there's more to the story. Who knows if there's enough of them that are crazy. So do we trust the insurance companies to make the difference? I do. That's me. You can go look at their ratings, but let's take a look at what the banks are saying. Bank of America, $24 billion they have in insurance policies and insurance companies. $24 billion. Wells Fargo, $19.5 billion. Chase Bank, $12 billion. Meaning banks are doing the same thing. They're circumventing themselves and they're going directly to insurance companies. Why? Because they want the money. It's a much higher interest rate. Remember, banks borrow money and they put between 10 and 13 times into the system. Meaning, for every, uh, for every million dollars on deposit, a bank turns around and can lend out about 10 to $12 million. That's why they have to have insurance because the money's not there. They borrowed it from either other banks, they got a big deposit overnight, or from the Federal Reserve. So a bank keeps about a million dollars when you make a deposit. They have to keep about 8% in cash or cash equivalents, right around that. So a million dollars in deposit, they keep about $80,000 over here off to the side, and then they borrow 8, 10, 12 million, whatever they need. They borrow it from the bank, they borrow it from whatever, and then they turn around real quick overnight and lend it to you. New building, new car, new house. A bank does not want money on deposit very long. And when I say very long, more than one day, because they have to pay interest on it and they're not earning interest, right? The spread is what matters to a bank. Well, insurance companies are the same, except insurance companies don't have a branch on every corner. They don't have massive overtime, uh, advertising. They don't have employees that sit around and take their time and walk really slow. In, but right, we've all been there. You're like, come on, man, this is our lunch break. I see you over there. Why are you not over here at the teller counter? Remember those days? Banks. They're not bad people. They're just not very quick. And of course, regulations and on and on. Insurance companies are regulated a little different. In my opinion, better for the consumer. Not for the banks. So keep this in mind as you're kind of building your wealth. I like insurance companies for what they're good for. They're good for that underlying savings account and they're good for that death benefit tax-free. So when we look at this, why do we use this as an example? Because today, 
you are now going to be able to pass on money to your children or your grandchildren beginning in 2023 at a much higher rate. It's over $12 million per person. Now, most of you are saying, hurt me. Oh gosh, I'm so glad it went from 11 to 12. Okay, that's nice. But another way to pass on money while you're still alive to that next generation is what's called a gifting program. So here's the way a gifting program works. From social security number to social security number. So a lot of you that have enough money to live on, you're fine, you're comfortable. You have income coming in, which by the way, to me, that's the magic. The magic to life is income, where no matter what, oh, the first of the month is here, here's another check. I love those days, don't you? That's what makes it all amazing. You can have a million dollars and have all sorts of things eat that up. But if you have $10,000 a month coming in for the rest of your life, mm, okay, I guess you decide. Really, the question is this. If you had a million dollars in cash or 10000 a month for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? For those of you that choose the 10000 a month, that's the right fit for some of the fixed and fixed indexed annuities that we like. It is. If you think the answer is, oh, a million dollars a month and I'm going to turn it into two million by the weekend. Okay, well, that's how I was when I was in my 20s. And maybe you're right and maybe you're not. But that kind of risk goes to Las Vegas, Havasu or whatever it is. What is it? Laughlin, Vegas and Laughlin, where you can go and bet and have a good time in South Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. Wonderful. You go do that. We're talking about safety and security. That's what we do. For nearly 27 years as a financial firm, that's what my specialty is. It's keeping you out of debt. It's managing your money to make sure you have reliable retirement income. Right? A lot of you don't understand that benefits that come from that. I'll give you a good example. My wife's birthday this weekend, lovely time. We did a little trick, if you will. I flew in my daughter from Mississippi for just two days. Three days, I guess, two nights. She came and surprised my wife. Right? My daughter moved there. Great. She went to school there. Met her fiancé, now her husband. She's having a lovely life. But it doesn't mean we don't miss her every day. Of course we do. Just like you guys would miss your family. So by having a little bit of reliable retirement income that comes in, I can pay that price, that cost, not for something, not for an object, but for an experience, for a moment, or in this case, two and a half days. Right? As a gift. Most of you have all the stuff you need. You don't need something else. You don't, oh, if I only had one pair of shoes, okay, whew, I got them. Now I want you to have experiences. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to see others enjoy life. So now as a gifting program, from one social security number to another, you can give up to, beginning next year, $17,000 per social security number. That means you can give money, your spouse can give money. You can give money to their spouse. You can, they can, your husband can give, right? So I'll give you a good example. I can give 17,000 to my daughter. My wife can give 17,000. My wife can give 17,000 to my son-in-law. I can give 17,000 to my son-in-law. You realize that in that process, you can pass away or pass on $68,000 tax-free and then do it again next year. 
and then do it again next year. Oh, do they have children? Social security number, from social to social, you get the idea. So if you want to transfer money to see how they're going to live and enjoy life, call this, ready for this, a test run. Are they going to be decent with money? Are they going to go back into credit card debt? Are they broke? Are they always going to be broke? Did they need just a little bit of a boost? Or are you feeding an addiction where they're not going to learn from their problems? Wouldn't it be nice to know with 17000 as opposed to a million or half a million dollars? I think so. Now, some of you already know, but here's what I would do if I were you. I want you to sit down and say, hey, kids, grandkids, uh, wh whoever it is that's your beneficiary, we're going to be playing this game. It's called, let's see what you do with the money. Da -da -da -da. You can have little <laughs> dollars. And you say, all right, here, here's our game, guys. Ready for this? My goal is to leave you money, but I want you to know I love all of you the same. Oof, I love all of you. You're my heart. You're my soul. I love you all. But I'm not going to treat you the same when it comes to receiving an inheritance. I know this is causing some of you to shake right now. The reason I'm not going to treat you the same is very simple. Because you don't act the same with money. Some of you did not take that certification course to make more money. Some of you were afraid and didn't go back to college. Some of you were afraid and didn't continue down the road of getting better in your profession. So to make more money, some of you uh, keep blowing. It doesn't matter how much money you and your husband or wife make. You're always broke. So why would I give you more money when you disrespect the money that you earn, which is way more respectful and appreciated than the money I'm going to give you, right? So when you tell your children this, you make it really clear to them. I love you with all my heart, but there's no way in the world I'm going to treat you the same as the other because this person doesn't need the money. Therefore, they're going to, ready for this, get the money. You see, so many times you think the answer is to give money to those that don't have any. That's not the right answer. Now, you can give your 17000 to see if they've changed their ways. You can give their 17000 to see if it's time to, to make a difference. But I will also tell you, you better be very clear on something. They will not, in most, like, in most cases, change their behavior. That's not what they do. It's not who they are. Now, if you sit with them, you put them through a program, you ask them to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you have them go through uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, have them read the book, Think and Grow Rich. And they go, oh, I will change my ways. Then I'm with you on that, guys. Then I love and respect them. I think it's great. But the poor mindset will walk through life and say, money isn't about it. Money's, money's evil. Don't talk about money. All right, so let's talk about this for a second. You can call it money or Mickey Mouse in a dress. I don't care what you call it. You ready for this? You just said you can't go with me next weekend. Why? Because you have to work overtime. <gasps> it's about money. You just said, I can't go to that restaurant. I've got to go to this restaurant. Why? Because it costs too much. Uh-oh. That's about money. You just said you have to wait to get your car fixed until the next paycheck. Why? Oh, because it's about money. You just said that you can't retire early and you're working at a job where they sexually harass you or the racist there or, or the, 
the, the, the people you work with, you have a mean boss, ooh, mean boss, and you have to go back next week. That's about money. You see, today, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, wherever you are, it's almost always about money. This charity, this church, this organization, and they need money. Do you think the electric company gives them electricity for free? Do you think the, the bank doesn't want a paycheck? Oh, I, I get it. The pastor and the secretary and the assistant, they work for free. Of course not, you guys. Now, I'm not saying put money in a place that it doesn't belong. It isn't God. It isn't almighty. It isn't this uh, ever uh, transcending thing through life. No. But you better understand that if you don't manage it properly, and better yet, because many of you have, have gone through your life, your kids don't manage it properly. Put it in its place where it deserves with respect. Put it in its place where it deserves with reverence. Certainly not like any deity. But there's a power that comes when you win the lotto because the first words out of your mouth is, and I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to buy this. You go, ah, oh, isn't it interesting? You're just going to get into bigger debt. You're going to buy bigger things. You're going to spend spend more money. You're not going to invest it. You're not going to create wealth. You're just going to spend. You see the difference? Because the blessings of being able to spend a few days with my daughter in the middle of a weekend, I, I don't know what the price is. I, don't tell the bank, uh, sorry, don't tell the uh, the airline, but I would have paid three three times the airline ticket to get her to come out here. Just so you know, but don't tell them. Because to see her and to be around her, that experience, right? I'm not going to be left with another, oh, great, look at what I just bought, a pair of shoes or a shirt or... No, no, no. It's the experience. It's the time. It's the, the gift. So that is how you use money instead of money using you. You see, being wealthy or successful in your financial life isn't about the next greatest stock. Let me show you how to diversify and catch the market bottom so that when you can, you can beta the alpha and, and, and these financial programs and, and people and your financial professionals and Wall Street, all they want to do is big words, big words. I'm smart. You're not. Let's use big words and big words. And you sit there and go, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an educated person. I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty good at what I do. Uh, I have no idea. So I'll tell you what. When I sit with my financial advisor, I'm going to nod and smile. And when I nod and smile, I'm going to go, oh, yes, of course. I'm, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. And then when you leave, you're afraid to say that you didn't understand much. That's not how it is at Total Financial and TFS Financial Insurance Services. What we do, something very important. We work with you. We keep it simple and easy to understand. We try to get reasonable rates of return. And more importantly, we protect your principal and the interest that you make. It never goes away. All right, stay with me. Second hour of the show. Your emails... It's pretty interesting ones as we come back. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halloween. Your place for news, talk, and information. AM870, The Answer. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour.
security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. The second hour of the program. This is the Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services. Thank you for being a part of the show. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Hey, I want to give you an update. The Federal Reserve, Federal President, uh, Federal Reserve President out of Philadelphia, says inflation was caused by a perfect storm, and actually, slowly they start taking responsibility. Oh, some of the policy decisions. The biggest mistake the the U.S. government makes, and it was making it in the middle, and those that were educated knew it. All of us knew it. We all said it. It was happening in the middle of. Uh, of the pandemic and others where they were just giving away money for free, meaning you're getting paid for not doing anything. You see, when you're paid for not doing anything, right? We're stimulus checks. They call it all sorts of things. Pay back this gas tax reimbursement. California's sending out their checks, you know, to, I guess some of us that qualify, some don't. Well, that's nice. It's nice to divide people again, right? Well, as they do that, you realize that part of this that's important in the system is that when they sent out all all that money, nobody paid into the Social Security tax system. Nobody paid into the state disability tax system because those are a function of earned income. So the state unemployment, the federal Social Security, the state disability, the federal disability, all of those programs, that's part of that FICA uh, FICA, uh, tax, right? That FICA tax system that that you pay into is only a a function of earned income. So when you don't have earned income, right? When you're paid just for existing, then you don't put money in, which means you now are a year older. So that federal payroll tax wasn't collected. You're going to get to social security and collect social security And at the same time, they now just increased by over 8%. So good news if you're collecting Social Security. Bad news if you're expecting to collect Social Security someday. So the Federal Insurance Contribution Act, that FICA, they never collected it for two years. So they've accelerated the depletion of the account. Disability, state disability, federal disability, all that. And they've... uh, all, it, by by increasing it by 8%, right? The payout, which I think is a good idea. You have to in order to sustain the, with this economy inflation. And yet at the same time, you didn't have anybody putting in the front end. This is a challenge because I think Social Security is going to have a challenge and run out of money, if you will, by the time, oh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2032. Now, it doesn't run out of money. You've heard me say this before. It isn't like, and Mary Jones of, you know, Pawtucket, Kentucky gets the last check. No, no, no. That's not how it works. It's basically, they said, hey, everybody, you were used to receiving 2000 a month. Now you're going to get mm, 1400 a month, right? They're going to take about, well, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30%, maybe 35. So there wouldn't be enough money for everybody to get. So what I always think is, look, let's plan for the worst. Let's plan that if they do that, You just activate one of your retirement accounts. You activate one of your annuities. You just turn it on. Say, all right, all right, give me an income stream now. Now, annuities aren't required to take out an income stream. You can use it like any other account. 
You can use it as an account where you just put money in, take money out, put money in, take money out. You can do that within, within guidelines, within rules. There's some benefits to that. But now the Federal Reserve is admitting that there's an enormous amount of contribution towards the problem coming from their monetary policy. I think it means they're going to start laying the idea that they're going to drive us into a recession rather quickly. Currently, they're pulling $60 billion out of the economy every month and more. That means the banks had this much to lend, this much to circulate, and now they're making it $60 billion, $60 billion less. And that's every month. I expect it to get to $80 billion a month before the end of the year. So that means, well, you're probably looking at maybe $200 billion that they're going to pull out of circulation. And they have to do that. They have to pull, ready for this? Some estimates, 2T, T as in Tom or as in trillion, right? 2T, $2 trillion out of the system. That's about how much they have to pull out in order to make this work. And that is at the same time hoping that we get some growth out of the economy. $60 billion in treasuries, $35 billion in agency debt and mortgage-backed securities. That's what they're pulling from the system. They're removing it. That's uh, $100 billion approximately. So they need to get this up to maybe $1 or $2 trillion at least before we start to see any relief. That means I think 2030, uh, 2023 is going to still be a pretty big recession. I think we'll slowly start coming out of it at the beginning of 2024, when it will accelerate. In other words, when consumers will be confident again, in my opinion, is if they believe that the candidates for president, and I promise you it will not be Joe Biden. Don't even worry about it. It will not be him. His wife is full of shame for putting her husband like uh, up front like this. And I think, look, that's part of the, a lot of the minority, a lot of the old country, the back, uh, you know, back generations, they, they know that. They know you're supposed to have honor and integrity with your spouse, right? You've heard me say this. If I walk out of the bathroom and I, and I have toilet paper stuck to my foot, right? I would expect my wife, if, if not somebody else, to say, whoa, 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 sir, you got something on your foot. Oh, thank you. Or you walk out of the, you know, eating dinner and you have big old parsley sticking in your teeth. It would be kind if somebody says, hey, sir, you've got something, but it better be my wife, just like I say, oh, sweetie, your, your skirt is tucked into the back of your, right? When she walks out of the restroom, you would expect that. And here she has, she is truly the villain in the story to put her husband forward, to let him be full of shame and embarrassment, not just for himself, but for the nation. That is a big deal, right? We count on you, spouses. With honor and integrity and decency, don't be rude, don't be a jerk about it. But your goal is to, to keep us from looking silly. So I'm telling you, there's now going to be enough people around him where he will not run next year. In fact, I don't think he's going to be president next summer. It has to be two years and 10 minutes in order for Kamala Harris to get a, a chance for two more terms. I know some of you are cringing. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, I'm grinding my teeth too. So she can get basically Franklin Roosevelt type of term, 10 years. 
Now, whether or not she they can manipulate the uh, election again or not, I don't know that. But it's possible. If we have a veto-proof Congress, meaning uh, you know we can pass a law, the Republicans have enough to override a veto from President Biden, then they can spend the next two years clamping down on social media manipulation, clamping down on Google's manipulation, on YouTube's manipulation. If they can do that, then we have a good chance of a fair and honest election again. But if it's close, he's never going to sign that stuff because here's one that benefits. So, All right, let's, let's go over your emails. I think this is important because this particular email that I want to touch on, I, I think you guys need to uh, really pay attention because this is, I think, the next two years. You've heard me talk about the, uh, the recession that's coming. The tail end of any recession, how we know we're coming out of it, how we know we're in the last phases. Now, we don't know how long the last phase lasts. Sometimes it's two months. Sometimes it's eight months. Sometimes it's a year. But it's when the layoffs accelerate. And I'm starting to see the layoffs now. This is what's happening. This is a particular client. Dear Arif, we are hope, we're both hoping to retire in 2023. My company will most likely lay me off in the spring as they are cutting back now. My wife can retire anytime. Our goal is to move full-time to Prescott, Arizona. And pause for a minute, guys. We're seeing that over and over. Prescott, Arizona, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley. We have a lot of clients throughout there. It's pretty common. Uh, All right, continuing. Both of us have a pension, but hers is much more than mine is. She will retire from the school district. She saved 320000 in her 403B plan. I have about 750000 in my 401K plan. It used to be nearly $1 million. We've lost almost a quarter of a million dollars since the beginning of the year. We're both very disappointed and can't afford to lose any more money. We will need about $7,000 a month to live on, but really would like $10,000 a month in order to travel, enjoy life, and care for our nieces and nephews and our children. My pension is 2200 a month. Hers is 5300 a month. Okay. So let's be clear on a couple things. Just to pay their food, shelter, clothing, it looks like their needs are met. Twenty two and 5300 Right? That's $7,500. That's pretty good. They're going to live in a place where the, the income tax in, in the state is less than half. So that should save them right around $350, $400 a month, which is good news for them. That $400 a month is in their pocket. Just so you know, that $400 a month still is a pretty good lease payment on a car, meaning you could drive a new car courtesy of the state of California's tax benefits every year. So that's pretty exciting. All right. What is a 403B? Some of you that are educators know this. Basically, you put money into an account. Let's say you earn 50000 a year. You put 5000 into a retirement account. Today, you pay taxes on 45000 This 5000 that's sitting into this retirement account, when you retire, where you retire, all of that plus the interest, it is taxed at that time on based on where you live and your income. So you're deferring the taxes today. You're putting it off to the side. Then whenever you retire and you take money out, now it's taxable. Okay. Your employer decides, or let me back up, the type of employer you have decides 
the type of account. For example, you work for a nonprofit, school district, hospital, research facility. Yours is called a 403B. If you work for a for-profit company, yours is a little earlier in the IRS code. It's called a 401 subsection K. So what happened was, first four uh, uh, employers had this in the 70s. They said, we're a for-profit employer. We're going to create this account. We're going to let employees put money in. Then when they retire, they can take it out. And it was really used to help lessen the pressure on the pensions. Because the more money you can make on your own, then the more then the less money the pension system has to put aside for you. So when he used to have a million dollars in his retirement account, let's be clear on this, guys, that is a big problem. Because they just lost a quarter of a million dollars. How long does it take to make a quarter of a million dollars? Right? I, I, who knows? It's not six months. It's not eight months for most of us. All right, so... Qualified plans means it qualifies under the ERISA plan. Don't worry too much about that. Just know that if you have yet to pay taxes on the money, when you leave, whether it's a 403B, whether you work for a city, county, state agency, that's called a deferred compensation. It's called Horizons for the city of Los Angeles. Uh, sorry, for the county of Los Angeles. City of Los Angeles has a 457 or deferred compensation. They all act the same way. You go to work, you make 50000 you put 5000 aside. Today, you pay taxes on 45000 When you retire, where you retire, that $5,000 is taxed. Well, you can consolidate those pre-tax accounts into an individual retirement account. So that's my recommendation is to move those out of those company plans and into an individual retirement account when you leave. And you can do it any time, actually. Because as long as you are 59 and a half or older and you are still working, do you know you can remove money from that risk? You can move money out of that the risky account and move it into safety. Did you know you could do that? Even if you're still working, you keep the account open, you can keep adding to it. You keep receiving a bonus or what they call a matching. You put it in, they put it in. We just took out half of the account and moved it over, get it out of risk. So we can do that. The other part of it that's pretty important, guys, is for you to understand what a severance package is. Many of you have heard it until it actually applies to you or someone close to you. You don't always understand it. So here's what a severance package does. A severance is from an employer, your, your job, your boss, to you. And it says, for example, for every year that you worked, we will give you one week of pay. So if you worked 10 years, we'll give you 10 weeks of pay. That's important because if you're going to use that pay to live on, sometimes those of you that don't know you're going to get laid off, some of you are listening right now, and before January 1st, you will not have a job because companies are going to start stripping those jobs down to get it booked under this tax year. In other words, they want to take the loss now. So they need to get rid of you as quick as possible. So you're going to see that happen where in the next few weeks, you're going to be mad at them because it's the holidays. Remember, all they care about is money. So they just care about jobs and money. That's it. Profits. You can be mad at them for that, but it's like saying, you know, all, all a dog cares about is pets and treats. So, you know, I'm, I'm mad at them. Well, yeah, but that's what they're supposed to do, 
right? That, that's their job. Their job is to, to so, so don't expect something from it that it doesn't give. It's not supposed to give. All right. So severance means this. There's a period of time that you are paid for everything that you worked. I had one particular client who worked for a very, very large entertainment company. He made almost a half a million dollars a year. He was one of the top executives. He was paid, ready for this, two years worth of severance for the amount of time he was there. Two years. They gave him $1 million plus a pension plus a 401k to leave. And I always think to myself, why don't you just make him work? I mean, listen, we're paying you anyway. You might as well be productive and create something. But partly it's because they want to take the loss within a period of time. And so they did this last year because they knew it was coming. They knew the economy just couldn't last at this speed that we were going last summer, last, last fall. So I have a bit of an ethical thing. I know I'm going to upset some of you. But I just want you to know, right, just like I didn't agree with President Trump, you don't have to agree with me on 100%. I agree, I agree with him on, I don't know, 70 80%, whatever it was. So this might be an area that you disagree with, but I want you to think about this for a second. Let's have clarity first before agreement. How many of you will say, I have worked for my employer. My employer has provided for my children's college, my house payment, my health insurance for 30 years. And so when I retire as a favor, as a gift to them, I am going to, ready for this, I'm going to work for free for two years or for 10 weeks. I'm going to work for free for 10 weeks as a way of saying thank you to them. You wouldn't do that. You'd be like, what? But you want the employer to pay you for not showing up for 10 weeks. Listen, I... I I'm, I want you to, uh, you're my client. I want you to have a lot of money, be healthy and be strong and, and all the little tricks we can do to, to benefit you. We're going to do it. But I want some of you to start checking that ethical, that integrity check. When does an employer, when are they required to, to do this? I, I, I don't, I get it. Then you understand what happens is they're going to cheat you for the rest of the time that you're there because they can't just pull this money out of air. They have to pinch a little bit. They have to take a little bit from each one of your hourly wages or your monthly salary so that the day comes when they're going to give you money at the end, it's equal to your entire worth for that company, right? You think, oh, well, I'm the one that's provided for them. No, no, no. Okay. This is the, this might be the disagreement, but please stay with me. You'll like this in a second if, but I need clarity here. When you arrive at nine o'clock in the morning and then you go to the restroom and you get your coffee and you talk to people around the water cooler uh, and then you get to work at nine twelve, and then you uh, play on your phone a little bit and check messages and emails, personal emails. Oh, it's shopping time. It's Christmas time. Let's shop. You didn't reimburse your employer for the 27 minutes you did not work that day that you did personal stuff outside of your break. So, so just be a bit grateful right? Uh, I mean, listen, you don't have to like them, but be grateful to them because you're not asking on the other side. You're not giving on the other side. All right. I, I just want clarity on this. You don't have to agree with me, but I do want you to have a sense of integrity that if you think this is wrong on one side, then it should be wrong on the other side. If it's right on one side, it should be right on the other side. Okay. Hey, let's get back to Jill and John.
on your retirement accounts. All right, here's what I have for you guys. On the retirement accounts, I want you to think about this because the key is to drip this money into your account to live the way you want to live, right? Because remember, you needed $7,000 a month to live, but really we wanted 10. So I count that as with taxes, let's call it an extra $40,000 a year. So here's what I would do. I would take $320,000 and set that aside for emergencies. That's special trips. That's travel. Knowing that you can have, if you pulled out a full amount every year, right? If you said, I want, I'm going to put an extra $40,000 a year to travel, to take my kids to Disney World, to, to take us all on a cruise, whatever it is that you want to do. We have eight years worth of money in that 320,000, eight years. Now I expect inflation to keep on going up. So what I would use that $750,000 for is I would ladder it. I would probably put it in maybe two different accounts. Each one, each fixed indexed annuity has a different job. One is shorter term, one is longer term. One is income that we can start at any time. One is, uh-oh, all hex broke loose. We need it for long-term care. We have a plan B. We need it to bring in somebody into the house to care for us. We have a plan B. What I don't want to do is to have your money set aside, all of that money set aside, and you be in a position to go, uh-oh, <laughs> one of us is sick. We're draining our savings account. So good news is, Joe, you're fine. John, you're fine. Susie, you're fine. Oh, bad news is the surviving spouse is broke because by the time we've run this story out, we brought in somebody to care for you. We had the best care at, at the Mayo Clinic and on and on all the stuff we did for you and we're broke. So what I want to do is provide so that the surviving spouse can still continue to live. And God willing, both of you live till your 90s. We want a quality of life. So that's why I would use two different accounts for the 750, one short-term, one long-term. And that gives us that little backup plan to enjoy life, right? I shared with you in the first part of the hour how important it was for me to have experiences. Wouldn't that be great if you can do stuff like that? Because most of you, most of you are going to die with money in your savings, uh, your retirement accounts. Most of you, probably all really. And so if we all knew when we were going to pass away, of course, that would be the, the best way to plan, but, it, but we don't. But I do want you to have a budget of money you can spend on something that's fun. It's called an experience, right? Whether you, you fly out your daughter or you bring out your grandchildren or you surprise somebody for their anniversary, fly out their parents. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that fun? People will cry. They'll remember it. And they'll remember the value that you've placed on experiences versus stuff. So in my opinion, you got a plan. I think there's going to be, if I say plan for the worst, I, I think something crummy is going to happen. It has to, it's just the way it is. I think we're going to have to worry about a world event, especially if there's a transition between the Biden administration and the Harris administration. I think you're going to see something uh, where China and or Russia and certainly North Korea, they're going to start be being very provocative. And when that happens, it will start to bring, uh, if you will, bring to, bring to bear a problem. How are we going to protect your income? 
How do we protect your assets? Bank of America did it. They have $24 billion set aside for emergencies. Chase has $12 billion. Wells Fargo, $19.5 billion. All invested inside of insurance companies. So how do we protect it for you? I like the same idea. I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket. That's why we're leaving 320000 out to the side. Right? You spread it out. They have different jobs to do, different purpose, different place. The other thing I want to be clear on, I, I think this is important, is most of you are going to work part-time somewhere. You're going to have a life that is not just consuming, not just spending money, but you're going to be working part-time. And I want to encourage you to feel the freedom to do something where you're not going to be paid anything or minimum wage or barely enough to live, or you have to volunteer even. I mean, imagine if you could volunteer at church or a charity or synagogue where that you, where you're not required to take a paycheck because you have your money being paid, your, your lifestyle, your income coming from another source. So they can use whatever monies they have to hire another person, but you can still contribute. You can still be there and be a part of it. I like that idea. That's why you can make a difference. I want you to start looking at international missions. I think the United States has done very well with its international relationships, uh, if you look at over the last 100 years, with uh, groups like the Peace Corps, missionary groups, private missionary groups, non-governmental organizations, NGOs is what they're called. And think about being a part of something like that, bringing fresh water, bringing education, bringing uh, a, an understanding of how to agriculture, use agricultural to the best benefit of that area, right? Your skill set, you guys might have a chance to do that, John and Jill, because you have plenty of money to do it. Enjoy your life, guys. When we come back, I've got another email from you uh, for you. I am seeing this happen more and more just three times this week. So think about that for a minute. When we come back, you'll hear our next email from Jeanette. When we come right back. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. AM 870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Power, the Thanks for staying with me. My name is Arif Halabi. Joining us on the Total Financial Hour, we're talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, planning for retirement reliable retirement income. That's what it's all about, guys, when we're talking about uh, our, our next hour of the program, this hour of the program, rather, is your emails. And I love it because it is uh, generally, uh, listen, when I receive a lot of them, I want you to know part of it is uh, I wait till I see a little bit more of a pattern as opposed to a one-off. If it's just a weird problem, an interesting problem, I love it that it's unique. I love to solve it. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's a part of what I do is that problem-solving but it's between you and I generally, right? I'll send you an email. We'll talk on the phone. But if it's something that is a little bit more common, I see it a bit more. I'm starting to go, wait a second. This is happening two or three times in the last month. Then I'd like to not only address it with you, but I also put it on the air. Well, this is one that's happened two times this week. Plus this email makes it three. 
So that's why it's a pretty important one to cover because I am seeing that maybe by accident, it's an issue that is occurring at a greater frequency, generally speaking, than most others since we've done our second hour of the show. But before I get there, I want to give you an update on some things that are happening in the 401k world. Investors will be able to contribute, employees will be able to contribute 22500 in your 401k plan, 6500 in your IRA beginning in 2023. That means it's changing. It's increasing quite a bit from 6000 to 6500 That's about a 9% to 9.5% increase that you're allowed to contribute. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Now, my very first thing, here's the, here's the order of events. Remember when uh, you, you did math in junior high school and they said, first you do the, the parentheses and then you do multiplication and division and then the last thing you do is addition and subtraction. Remember that? Order of, uh, uh, of events. I don't know what they used to call it. Mathematical order or something like that. But you get the idea. First you do step one, step two, step three. Step one, if you are working and you have an employer who matches your contribution, let's say they match 3% of your pay. First thing you do is you you put in 3%. If they put in 50%, like we're going to match 50% of six, then you put in six and they will give you three. You just received a 50% increase. That's the very first thing to do. Oh, Arif, I have more money. I want to save more. I want to have a greater retirement account. Okay, great. Then we go outside to a Roth, R-O-T-H, Roth IRA. And that, beginning this year, you can put in, and this year you should, you, you're allowed to put in $6,000. You should do that. Beg, borrow, steal. I mean, I don't know what you have to do. Collect cans, bottles, whatever you have to do. Get a second job. You need to put in $6,000 into your Roth. Okay, very important for you and your spouse. Oh, Arif, I have more money. Now you go back to your 401k at work and you can add to that. All right, but that's the order of events. The first thing I want you to do, now there's some other strategies we can do inside of that. I like them. There's other things that might make more sense depending on where you are. But the limit is changing from 20,500 to 22,500. All right. If you're still working now, you have to have earned income. And then the Roth and, and traditional IRA is from 6,000 to 6,500. Now, if you're 50 years or older, it's 65, it, it, instead of 6,500, it's 7,500. 7,500. All right. I like that. It's a big number. That $6,500 really makes a, a, a difference if you're under age 49, 49 or younger. Okay. And the $7,500 that you put in to your 401k additional, that makes a big deal, guys. That gives you $30,000 you're allowed to put into your retirement account at work if you're older than 50 years old. All right. So keep that in mind. Even if you think you make too much money for a Roth, just do the backdoor Roth. Right, Every person can put money into a Roth IRA. If your CPA never tells you about that, then the problem is you have the wrong CPA, just to be clear. Okay? You need to know that. You have the wrong tax preparer because they know better. And, and or they're ignorant. I don't know the answer. 
All right, here we go. This is pretty important because Jeanette wrote this, um, and I'm not even sure if that's her real name because the email sounded a little different when we spoke on the phone. I still use Jeanette, and she answered, but but it came from a different uh, email. So right, here it is. Dear Arif, my son and daughter-in-law have asked to borrow money for a down payment on a house. They need the extra money now that interest rates have gone up and the payments have nearly doubled. But I'm concerned about them not being able to repay the money because I'm a widow and I may need it somebody uh, someday. I have lent them money in the past, quote, not as much as this, and they have yet to pay it back. I am fine financially now, but I do not have a long-term care insurance plan. I'm worried about that. I'm also concerned about my daughter not getting the same amount when I die. What do you suggest as a way to not hurt one of their feelings and yet at the same time make sure I can get the money back, especially when I need it? All right, Jeanette, you guys get the idea? Sounds like she wants to borrow, uh, lend money to her son and daughter-in-law. That's fine. I, I think that's part of the blessing of having money, but they have to be worthy of it. Now, if they're lazy bums or they're buying new cars every, every two years, or he sits around and plays video games all day long, you have to ask yourself, is this somebody who's worthy of receiving the money or are they both working their tails off? Right? If they work their tails off, if they work hard in second job, third job, he's in school, part-time this, full-time that. All right, guys, I, I'm with you. But some of you have your kids living with you for free and their children and you have Amazon packages delivered every other day, and they're not yours. You look, and they have nicer clothes than you do. They eat at nicer restaurants than you ever have. And you wonder, wait a second, who's the sucker in the story? Right? Uh, you guys know it. Oh, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, listen, last time I looked, a dollar bill didn't have any feelings, so... I, I don't know if you can hurt their feelings at all. So just kind of be clear on that. The answer for you should be to be very serious about this with them because you're creating habits and the way that they look at you. If you want to give money one direction, in other words, it's a gift, that's your business. I'm okay with that. But if you're going to give them money or a place to live to help them out, then here's the story. Here's the problem in the story. They have to help themselves. Right? One of, one of you interesting recently said, oh, Eric, I'm going to buy a house. Uh, it's an email I, I didn't put on the air, but it's, I'm going to buy a house. They're going to live in it and not pay rent, and I'm going to pay the mortgage. And you even said you had the money to just write it off, pay it off in cash. I said, okay, well, here's what I would do. I would buy that same rental property let somebody else live in it, that person that you would be willing to kick out on Christmas Eve because they're not paying their rent, they pay you. Then the profits above the mortgage interest, principal, taxes, insurance, HOA, what is left above that, that you can give to your son or daughter. Let them go use it to, to rent an apartment or buy a house. Perfect. Because if you're going to let your son or daughter live in a place and they don't pay rent, you have to be prepared to kick them out. And most of you won't. 
Oh, Eric, you're so heartless. Heartless. No, no, no. Why don't you let your children, when they were three years old, eat cake for breakfast? Oh, you're so heartless. Why didn't you let little Jimmy run around naked down the neighborhood when he was six, right, without without their clothes? Oh, you wouldn't, right? Oh, you're so heartless, it's what he wanted to do. Why don't you let your kids jump up and down on the, on the furniture at, at the restaurant? Well, some of you did. Oh, you're so heartless. No, you see, it's about discipline. It's about teaching them. It's about giving them limits. It's about understanding. And it doesn't end. When you are the adult, when you are the financially sound one, that same conversation transfers over. Oh, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, then you tell them right at the beginning. Hey, guys, I'm not doing this to hurt your feelings, but we need to have a talk. Now you just told them. You see, if they chose to have hurt feelings, if they chose to be offended, that's a you problem, people, meaning it's their problem, not yours. Right? You've heard me say this. I say something in a room full of 20 people. Four of them are offended. It's those four people's problem. It's not mine. We have turned the whole world around where the rest of those 20 people, the other 16, have to change their life and balance on eggs because of the mental instability of those four people because of the psychological concerns of those four people, because of their own inadequacies, their children, trauma, childhood trauma, whatever it is that causes them to be offended about words. So my point to you is keep this in mind, you guys. The objective of meeting with your son and your daughter-in-law is I will love you. I will care for you. If you have an emergency, you are here for the rest of your life. No problem. But if you can work, I expect you to work. But I also expect you to not eat out at that fancy restaurant. Right? Because it means that you're taking advantage of me. And I know you, I know, I know. That's not the way you are. I love you both. I know you don't mean to do that. But I need to make sure that I'm secure in my old age. I need to make sure that I am cared for. So here's how we're going to do it. Jeanette, I want you to write it down. It's a contract. You're going to borrow this much money. You're going to pay it back like this, whatever your agreement plan is. And if they say, well, well, they can't afford to pay it back here. Great. You file a, a lien to be second position on their home. In other words, they buy their house. They get a house mortgage. I would wait four five, six months. Then you put a lien on their house for that loan, 50,000, a hundred thousand, whatever it might be. So when they sell the house, your lien has to be satisfied, meaning they have to pay you off. Follow me? Now, they can pay you off at any time. You send something to the title company. It releases the lien to the the county. The lien is off, recorded. There's only the first mortgage. If they don't pay you off, well, you still have ownership in a portion of that house equity. Secondarily, It's horrible, but it happens. What if your son were to pass away? Really? You think you're going to try to kick out your daughter-in-law when you're sick and you need money? And she has three teenage children at home and she's a widow and on and on. God, God forbid, but it happens. So here's what I want you to do. With the contract, you're going to also have him pay for life insurance. Yes, he's going to have to. I would do a term insurance plan. It's the least expensive. Maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's 30 years, whatever it is, but you have to be the owner. 
All right, Jeanette, you're the owner. He's the insured. So it means he has to sit for the medical exam. You can put in your contract that he's the one that has to pay you. Maybe not. Depends on if you want to make sure it's paid or not. You can make sure you pay it, but you're the owner. That means as the owner, you can also be the beneficiary. You can decide who the beneficiary is. You can, If you're fine later on in life, you can change the beneficiary to his children, his wife. You can put the beneficiary, you, you can give up ownership and give it back to him and his wife. Okay, guys, you paid off your loan. You want to keep this health, this life insurance plan? Here you go. You can have it. The life insurance plan is now yours. They can cancel it. They can keep it. They just have to keep paying for it. So I would get that life insurance policy for the amount of the loan. And really, if both of them are working, I would probably get it on both of them. So it's two policies where you are the owner. And he can have both policies back when it's paid off. Secondarily, I want you, Jeanette, to have a revocable living trust. The loan documents, the paper that he's agreed to sign, right? the agreement, both of them, before a notary, signs this paperwork, agreeing to pay it back. And if you pass away, Jeanette, before he pays it back, it is reduced and deducted from any inheritance that he receives. That's how you protect your daughter's interest. Right? Your daughter, uh, you might not be able to afford to give her the same amount. Based on the rest of your email I didn't read, it sounds like she's doing fine financially, so she doesn't need it. But your concern is when you pass away, how do we ensure that she still receives her portion? Well, let's say when you pass away, there's a million dollars to be divided by two people. And he still owes you 100000 Well, the million is reduced. So he has to pay back 100000 from his 500 Follow me? So he has to put that back into the pot. That means there's now $900,000 to be divided by two. That's one way to do it. Another way is he got his nine, his 100, so she gets 100. Now what's left is of the million, she gets 100. Now there's $900,000 left, and they each divide that by two. It comes out to the same number, 450,000. Right? But she's got 550, he has 450 plus 100 that is inside the house. So for the amount of the loan, I want that to be in the trust. You can have a revocable trust with it being notarized. It spells out everything. By being in second position on the mortgage, that means that you have a lien on the house. That lien is released when you pass away. That's an option. I want you to include interest. Okay, this is the time when Inflation and interest, right? We, we're going to get this. We're not at a plateau. For the last 10 years or so, we've been at a plateau. Not anymore. Now we're on this run up, run up, run up, run up, run up. Run up. How long we go, we don't know. But we're going to be doing this for a little while. The left is doing everything it can to blame President Trump for everything. He has nothing to do with this inflation, almost. I think he overreacted to COVID because that's what his advisors told him to do. I bet his instincts were smarter than that. But he wanted to get reelected. That was a big part of it. So 
he didn't he, he didn't do the right thing. I think he shouldn't have put as much. I don't think he should have locked down the comp, the, the country. I think Fauci should be in, in prison, no question about that, because I think he was responsible for not just lying in front of Congress countless times about his involvement. That's pretty normal. That's it. We found out. It's over, guys. Do your research. We now know the National Institute of Health is the one that funded the lab in which this leaked. And they just gave him more money last month. Did you know that? Just before Fauci's leaving, before the end of the year, he gave more money to the same lab. Crazy. So President Trump made some mistakes, for sure. He should have done other things, but he didn't. Okay. But in the end, if the state of California stays in Democrat hands, and I think it will, I think they've created a system to where Gavin Newsom's so far extreme where he's flooding the system with ballots and it diminishes the value of the vote. Now, you still have to vote, but I think, look, I think it's corrupt. They flooded the system with these boxes where folks can act like these mules and go and collect the ballots. I think that ruins and invalidates a lot of the votes because they, they dump these ballots into the system. I think he's redistrict, and now everybody has, but he seems to have done a little bit more of a nefarious approach to really isolate the conservatives. In fact, you know, they they try to both do this in California, Southern California, to isolate Mike Garcia. Let me tell you one big thing. Mike Garcia is a fighter. He's somebody who will represent California. If you are in his district, he's one of the only... Uh, Republican congressman in L.A. County, uh, maybe the only one. I think you you better look real serious, long and hard about sending him back to D.C. I think you should. I like the guy. I think he's a good person. I think he's very wise. I think he's got instinct. And ready for this? He has courage. That is the new test. Do you have courage to stand up to crazies? If you do, I like you. Do you have the willingness to fight? Maybe I like you a lot more now. So part of this is to realize that inflation is going to run. And Jeanette, I think healthcare costs are going to run down that road because politically it will affect it. No question about it. And as this political impact, we're going to see the change. That means the money that you gave your son really does need to come back to you, even with interest. Because if... For many of you out there, you have given money to one child and not the other. Ask yourself this, that same person I gave that money to, do they respect their money as much as they respect mine? Because realistically, if they don't work for it, if there's not an emotional connection, they're just not going to respect it. It just, it's just the way it goes. And you have to be very serious about this. Kids, I want to have another conversation with you. If you're going to borrow money from your parents, you better be careful, right? Because they're going to need it someday. Now, if you're somebody who's willing to help your parents with any check, anytime possible, and against the wishes of your wife, move from from Chicago back to California, move from Portland back down to wherever, move your mom into your guest house in Henderson, Nevada, whatever it is. Okay, well, now that's a conversation. But I had a client come into my office 
and she came in with her son. And the son came in. He was an able-bodied, good-looking guy, smart guy, fit guy. Nothing wrong with him physically. Only son, only child. He was in his mid-40s. I want to say probably 46, 47. His mom was in her early 70s. She just started to have some health issues, and she'd been our client. And she came in because she said, maybe you can talk sense into my son or let me know if what he wants to do is the right thing to do. I said, okay, great. Come on in. So they come in. We sit down and of course get to meet him. Very kind. He's very loving, very kind. But I could see something's wrong with the mom, right? Some of you have been around battered women or battered men for that matter. I have friends that people I know that are men that are battered. It's something like 30% of all uh, domestic violence are women against men. Just so you know, guys, it's not, it's not a one-way street there. But nonetheless, I'm watching this and I see her kind of, you know, a little scared about him and he's, he's vocal and he's, but he's, he's still kind and, and just animated. That's the word. Well, gosh, we sit there, we're, we're talking across the table and he goes, so the big reason that we came here, Arif, is because I want you to tell my mom that she should give me a hundred thousand dollars. I said, why? What, what do you need it for? Are you okay? Yes, but I want to start a business. I said, great. Tell me about the business. He tells me about the business. I said, how long have you worked into that field? He said, I never have. I said, well, well why, what makes you think you can be successful at that? Why don't you go work first and then we can see if you'll be successful, if you like it. So work is work your way up from the bottom all the way up before you take money from your mom. And he starts getting a bit more angry and a bit more angry. And she says, I really don't feel comfortable because I might need the money later on. Plus, son, you're the only beneficiary, so you're going to inherit it someday anyway. And he turns to her and he says, Mom, I want the money. And I'm sitting there with my mouth open going, oh my goodness, I haven't heard this before. He throws papers across my desk. It's a conference table. Throws papers across the conference table, stands up by the door, points his finger at her and yells at the top of his lung, if you don't give me the money, when you're sick and old, I will not take care of you. And both of her and I are sitting there. Now, it wasn't as shocking to her, meaning I think she heard that before. To me, I'd never heard it before, so it was kind of shocking to me. My mouth was open. I, I didn't know what to say. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you have to take care of yourself first. Before you ever take care of an able-bodied man in his 40s. So you guys need to do that too. You care for yourself first. Lend money, let's do it the right way. Protect your family, I'm all for that. All right, guys, thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Every week at this time, reach out to me at Arif at TFSWealth.com. Send me your emails. Have a great weekend. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.